0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Whiteboard podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid with faculty on their time as a student. These are the conversations that profs and students should have, but can't. Exploring the intersecting needs of students, faculty, the education system, and the job market as a whole. Hi everyone and welcome to the Whiteboard podcast. Today, my guest is Kathleen O'Keefe. Kathleen is a talent acquisition professional that is passionate about nurturing and investing early talent. She's an engineering talent sourcer at Cleo one of the latest Canadian tech unicorns and first cloud-based legal practice management unit arm globally. Before that, Kathleen was a talent sourcer and researcher for Shopify's intern program. While she has spent almost four years in tech throughout her career, she has also worked for an entrepreneur, a private golf club, municipal government, and global corporations. This has given her an interesting perspective on what it takes to build and navigate a career and has made her wonder how we could think differently about internships and how we can access them. Kathleen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Hey Eric, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: That's wonderful. Um, there's some more good news. Uh, I guess you just released a new um, webpage.
1: I did, I did. So uh, it's called Canadian Internships and, and what it is, it's meant to be a central job board uh, for paid tech and corporate internships in Canada. Uh, so the job postings are, are mainly sourced and curated by myself. Uh, But employers are also able to submit any paid internships they have for free as well. And uh, at its base level, it's a a Webflow site uh, with an embedded Airtable in it.
0: Amazing. So um, it's for finding internships. Now this, this podcast is mainly listened to by design students, but is it just for design or is it for everyone?
1: Yeah, so there's a wide range of roles. There's definitely lots of roles on there um, for anyone in product design uh, or in UX in, in general and, look, and looking to build a, a career in in that profession. Uh, but the, the roles kind of span across like, corporate roles, such as finance, uh, HR, sales, uh, biz ops, uh, with some tech roles and, and data science, software engineering as well.
0: So can you take me through um, a workflow on this, just for people who aren't familiar with this uh this kind of service
1: yeah definitely so um the the general flow of the, of the site i tried to make it as, as simple as possible you you kind of you land on the home page uh and then there's a, an air table database uh right there uh that has all of uh, the internship postings that i've sourced um and i have them uh, sorted by the date that they were posted just so the most recent ones are at the top uh users can filter by the profession that they're searching for an internship for. um, You can filter by the internship term that you're looking for. You can filter by uh, the length of the internship, um, filter by application deadline. Just really, really tried to make it um, as as simple and straightforward as possible because I know the internship job search, uh, it can be tough.
0: Yeah, we've all all had to do it, or I mean, most of us have done it at some point. I, I wonder, other than that empathy, what drove you to create this platform?
1: Uh, so, this was back in July, and I had just joined Clio. Uh, I had been here for, for a few weeks, uh, and the team was kind of ready to open up some fall 2021 internship postings. Uh, the company's still really new to hiring interns, uh, so it's like a really exciting time to kind of be. Uh, helping you know build out the early talent strategy there, uh, but I was thinking about how we could distribute these postings just to increase applications. And think about Clio is it's kind of a well kept secret in tech right now, you know, especially in Ontario. Uh, we're still growing our, our brand awareness, uh, so generating applications, um, you really need to, to get the posting shared and, and distributed and kind of you know tell the story so that that people know about it and are excited to apply. And I remember at that time wishing that I had a solid central internships job board that, that I could post it on. And there just there really there really isn't one out there. You have to be kind of searching across various job sites. Um, you have to be following employer career site pages. Um, if you're a student, you probably need to be checking you know, your co-op job board. And I just remember thinking, how is this possible? Because down in the States, you know, they, they do have a wide selection of internship platforms like Handshake uh, and Jumpstart. But we just really don't have that here and I just had this kind of li- like lightning bolt <laughs> idea and I thought what if I just build one myself and and I just went for it and and I guess now we'll see where it goes.
0: Wow, that well thank you.
1: <laughs> no problem.
0: <laughs> I know that a lot of the schools have their own internal job boards which are but I guess there's a barrier of entry that you know if you're a business you might not want to have to go through a school office to post a, to post a job?
1: Definitely, and I think there's benefit on, on both sides between like the employer and and the early talent slash student perspective. Like really just trying to reduce the friction to access to internships. So if you're a student, um it does take a lot of time and research to go and gather postings and it can really your your access to these internships can actually really depend on what school you're enrolled with because some schools have have a wide range of rich partnerships uh with employers and and some schools like they 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 just don't have that so no all school job boards are not created equal kind of so to speak um so if you're you're at a school that doesn't have um you know co-op office with these rich connections you are going to be spending a lot of time uh, searching uh, on the employer side, uh, typically there there isn't an easy way to just kind of blast your job postings to to all the schools in Canada. Uh, down in the states, that that platform I mentioned, Handshake. Um, if you're an employer, you can put up a posting and and send it to you know like a hundred schools uh, in one fell swoop, and and it's really scalable and and super easy. Um, but if you're an employer too, when when you post to the school, typically every school runs their their co-op hiring process differently. Um, some schools are really flexible, um, you can just, you know, throw them your job posting, go through your own hiring process, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, with some schools, though, you do have to kind of go through their set process, and depending on how your, your hiring process is built out and, and the timelines you have in place, because timelines are so important <laughs> with intern hiring, you're kind of always racing against the clock. It can be difficult. And a lot of employers, they do want to share their postings with, with students across Canada. They don't necessarily just want to share them with, with a small handful of schools. Um, but right now, there just isn't a great option to to spread your job postings widely. So uh, I, in, in my experience, being an employer and a student, I can see benefit kind of on both sides there.
0: Right. Or, or rather, there never used to be a good option.
1: Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. As of this week, there is another option.
0: <laughs> it's It's really tricky trying to navigate the existing partnerships and, you know, working with industry contacts that schools have developed over so long, that's what tends to show up on the on the job boards managed by the schools and that's great but schools have, some schools have different amounts of funding to create these relationships and the quality of education could be top notch but the opportunities maybe aren't quite there on their internal job boards which, which makes um, Canadian internships so special I think. Thank you. So we're talking about how it it serves the students, obviously, and the schools. What about for the employers? What's the benefit fit to them?
1: So employers, they want to see they want to see a high volume of applications because that means that you're going to have a larger talent pool, uh, and a larger talent pool means um, you have more 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 choice, more more talent to choose from. Uh, and ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, employers are, are running internship programs because they're They're trying to to fill up their their talent pipeline. That's ultimately what they're doing. And with internships in Canada, there's kind of three times of year uh, where active internship hiring happens. And it kind of happens sort of in like a a two to three week period, like in September, January and May. So you have a really limited amount of time to gather um, as much interest as you can. And you're competing with all the other employers that, that are trying to do the same thing. Um, so that's why a lot of employers, you know, will lean on a handful of target schools, uh, as we call them, and and these schools are selected for a variety of reasons. It could be the reputation uh, of the program they're they're looking to to garner applications from, it could be because um, some folks at that company have you know they their alumni from certain schools, um, so yeah. they're you know they they want to pay it forward. And from my perspective, as an as in someone who is at a, a tech company now that is working on growing their brand, and Canada, I have to work a little harder to, to, to share that posting more widely and get it in front of more students and early talent. So if there's a central job board like Canadian internships, for example, uh, and, you know, and it's getting like regular like, traffic, um, that's, a, that's a really, that's going to be a really important part of my talent attraction strategy to get a posting up on a site where I know students and early talent are actively looking for opportunities
0: when you were talking about how there's alumni at a certain place so they like to hire out of a school or just so relationships are built, it's it's amazing to think that something like this is like a little bit disruptive
1: in a way. Right. Right. Um,
0: because we have these feedback loops. Alumni hiring people from their alma mater is a is a form it's a feedback loop. And I think they're great. I'm happy they exist, but they can also create like groupthink and they can result in sort of exclusion and missed opportunities. So By disrupting that I think you're like just basically if not opening doors at least showing there's doors that people could peek behind right and some some schools even have a policy I know I know I know this to be true that some schools for hiring instructors um, they want to avoid that so they actually don't like to hire their own as instructors unless they've been out in the world
1: Right. So That's really interesting. That's something I've thought a lot about, actually, um, because I, I started really thinking about this a lot in my time at Shopify and, and Shopify has a really, really well known brand in Canada. Um, so, you know, this this central job board idea wasn't something I had to think about um, working at a company with an excellent brand that, that was attracting talent really, really easily and, and so readily. Um, but it. It would be easy as an employer, it would be easy to, to pick a few schools that you know that you're making some hires from and really just lean, lean into those schools and, and really nurture them. And, and you don't necessarily, if you're just trying to fill uh, recs or, or job requisitions, as we call them in the biz, if you're just trying to fill recs, you can just lean on a few a few of your favorite schools and, and not expand. But the thing about hiring interns is like, you also have to think about the internship cohort and, and what makes mm-hmm. that up. And I think like academic diversity is really important as well, because when you if you're hiring a lot of of students, um, you know, going enrolled in the same programs in the same schools, you you probably are going to see that group think for sure. And I think those different perspectives are really important to have.
0: Speaking of um, gathering different perspectives and and benefiting from that, um, right. when you are developing this this platform. Um, did you did you talk to different use cases like students employers small business big businesses schools
1: yeah that's a great question so right now this was this is a real like solo project I was working on in the dark <laughs> I think the only one who sure. knew I was working on it was my fiance I remember telling him about it and I thought what do you think about this like you think I, I could really really do this and he was like yeah of course you can and then I just kind of started working away on it and, and as I worked away on it, I just I don't know. I just I yeah, I was working on it in the dark, just just quietly building it out. And uh, the perspectives and that I was thinking about as I was building it are the the ones I gathered kind of in my time at uh, at Shopify, working on the intern program. I had maybe hundreds of conversations with students. I had a lot of really close uh, relationships uh, with schools as well. Um, You know, I have connections uh, to other early talent folks in the industry. Um, and have had a lot a lot of conversations about this um, mm-hmm. and it, I guess in if I reflect <laughs> this platform seems inevitable and in the fact that I this is something that I've been thinking about pr- probably for a few years now um, like in conversations with students I, I would always hear about how tough the internship job search is it's it's really hard to keep tabs on opportunities you know like employers throw their postings up at at different times, they come down at different times, over the same maybe three week period. But it's really, if you're not watching closely every day, like your favorite company career sites and, and job boards, it's really easy to miss opportunities. And that's stressful because students, they, they do have a lot on their plate. And employers are always thinking about just, how do we get in front of, of more talent? That's what we're all thinking about. That's the big the big million dollar question. Like how do we meet more students? How do we meet more? early talent and and schools at the end of the day, they, they just want their students to have great internship opportunities. Like, and so they're all thinking about how, how do they get more opportunities uh, in front of students? So we all, we all want the same thing (laughs) at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy you said that employers want to get in front of the talent because I mean, I've, we've all applied for jobs and it kind of feels like, and no one wants me, or like no one like no one's interested in me like i have to like I have to peacock basically and but really, yeah. the employers they they're desperate for you, aren't they like so, like someone is desperate for you in a weird yes. way yes.
1: So much desperation on all sides that's really accurate and the job search process it can be demoralizing and especially at the internship level there was a time where I was applying for internships when I was like 20, 21, 22 and oh so many rejections (laughs) I thought like am I ever going to find anything. And and for me, I was in a unique position where, you know, I I don't have a bachelor's degree. I I didn't I didn't go to university. I I graduated from college uh, and then I went uh, into a continuing education uh, diploma program uh, for to to receive my H.R. diploma so that I could start to make my way uh, into the H.R. and talent industry. And what was so tough was I, I, I would find these really interesting internships, get excited. You scroll to the bottom and then you find out that, oh, you have to be enrolled. And a bachelor degree program to mm. even be eligible, so there was that barrier I faced. And then the ones I, I, it seemed like I was eligible for. It's, it's competitive out there, and yeah, I had had a heap <laughs> of rejection emails for sure. Can I,
0: can I ask like a side question here? You said that you saw yeah. that okay, they want a bachelor's level, and so you didn't apply. Now, I, I hear that there's something called knockout question, and. Yes. Don't have that. You're not. They're just not going to look at you. But also, my thinking as like just like I, I don't know if I'm a go-getter, but like someone who I shoot first, I ask later kind of person maybe. <laughs>
1: I um, love
0: that. Uh, well, I would just apply. Like I don't. I don't have a bachelor. I don't care. I'm good. I'm going to apply. As a recruiter, what are your thoughts on people with my irritating
1: attitude? I I find that attitude. The, it's really the best way to operate in my opinion like you got to shoot your shot. <laughs> I think in life you got to shoot your shot and I think in recruitment we know that and you will, you know, it's really common even beyond like the internship level to see applications come in that are wildly um, not qualified <laughs> for the job that you have posted but everyone is entitled to the right to shoot to shoot their shot and the thing about knockout questions so I'll, I'll give you some insight into what that is. So um, for certain for certain job postings, uh, you're going to receive a tidal wave of applications, especially at the internship level, um, entry level, just really the early, early talent level because there's there's mm-hmm. lots of lots of folks that are that are clamoring for these opportunities. And as recruiters, your part of your job is just to, to screen applications. like you have to go through each application. Uh, and review all the pieces that you ask for, uh, review the resume, you know, make a decision ultimately if, if someone's going to move forward. So when you're posting a job that you know is going to be hot <laughs> and will receive a lot of traffic, um, mm-hmm. you have to, to, to put something in place to ensure that you're not going to be reviewing a thousand applications uh, for a role that you need to start interviewing for, you know, like next week. Uh, so you mm-hmm. think about, what do, what do I need candidates to have? Like what is a non-negotiable skill or experience they must have to be successful in this role? Let's put some questions on the job posting uh, in place. And if they, if they aren't, you know, if they, if they don't have what I'm looking for, then ultimately their, their application, isn't going to go forward to screening. It's going to automatically uh, be rejected at that point.
0: All right cool it, it, yeah it's a, it's a trick cuz <clears throat> sorry the one of the reasons i asked is cuz in in the design world right now the scope for a junior designer is getting a lot of people feel like it's really large like it's everything in the print world everything in the web world everything in the ux world and then like some other some other stuff and i know right. a lot of um, junior designers and interns feel like I can't, like, I, there's nothing I can apply for if I if I treat myself as someone who's ticking every box here. There's literally nothing in the world I can apply for.
1: Yeah, that's wow. a really valid question. And and knockout questions don't exist on every every job posting. And I think, too, a lot of the time a job posting is a wish list. It's kind of a recruiter mm-hmm. saying, I'm making a wish for someone that has right. everything on here. But the reality is, like, most people will have, you know, a good chunk of that um but a lot of a lot of these things can be learned on the job um the recruiters just making a wish (laughs) uh about Mm -hmm. what they would love to see come through uh the pipeline but at like the internship level you know going back to the bachelor's degree requirement um you know a lot a lot of these internships i i question the need for for a a four-year bachelor's degree and my, if I'm being cynical uh, with my recruiter hat on, I, I look at it as like a as a screening parameter, a knockout question. It's like, oh well, we can immediately knock out everyone that doesn't have a bachelor's, and there's a lot of people out there with a bachelor's and, and working toward one, so it's still going to give yeah. them a big talent pool. But hey, at least you know we cut out uh, a good chunk of applications that that don't need to be screened, and that's that's my cynical uh, take on it, just because I I I, I just I'll, I question that it being a a non-negotiable for many early talent opportunities.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's super tricky. I I know I've applied for some jobs that say, oh, you need five years experience. And sometimes, I mean, I've gone all the way to the interview uh, stage and they've been like, oh, you don't have five years experience. I was like, no. And they're like, well, we're not going to hire you. I was like, okay. But other times. Yeah. And other times it said, like, you need it. And you go and they're like, well, you don't have the experience and, you know, that factors into salary and stuff. But you, you, I did still get that position. So it's really like, just go for it, I guess.
1: That's my, might- that's my take. Always shoot your shot. And, and especially for, for early talent, just because you, if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. Um, But I do I do understand, you know, the the reservations some candidates have, depending on the application that they're completing. So for some companies, it's pretty straightforward. Submit your resume, maybe answer a few questions. It's not a a huge time invest uh, investment to apply. So if, you know, they don't have 100 percent of what's on the list. Well, I can shoot my shot. But but there's some uh, applications out there that are brutal and, and they're a huge time sink. And and for someone. To invest that time in an application where, at face value, they they probably question if they're even qualified for it, and, and you question um, spending the time on it. That's tough, especially too uh, during the internship hiring season. You're the interns are sending out several applications, and on top of you know their, their their full course load, and and you know if if they're working or anything else going on in their life. So you have to you got to manage your time really well and, and, and really prioritize uh, which opportunities are most important to you to apply for. All
0: right. And when, when you read, <clears throat> when recruiters read, um, uh, read these applications, is there anything like specific, like what stands out? Um, I always get questions like, does anyone read my cover letter? Um, right. Are you, are right. you do you touch those things in your role? Or have you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for some context, I've been in recruitment for eight, seven years now. (laughs) I've looked at maybe thousands and thousands of applications at this point, which is wild to to really think about, honestly. But um, cover letters are are interesting. I remember when I was putting them together as a student, I felt like I had to have this very formal template that just kind of. Reiterated what was already in my resume. Um, and, th- and the truth is, I still see a lot of that out there and what a co- the, the intention of a cover letter is really to add context that isn't already on your resume. So your resume is going to tell me what you've done, which is great. I do need to know what you've done. It gives me a great picture of your most relevant skills and experience. Um, but a cover letter is a really great opportunity to tell me where you'd like to go or or why you're even interested in this opportunity and there and it, it's just a, a great opportunity for a recruiter to get to know you better as well as one could <laughs> from you know an application uh it, it's it's a hard task for sure but i remember in my time at shopify you know there'd be there'd be times where the team was reviewing applications and sometimes we'd see a, an incredibly thoughtful or creative cover letter, and that could tip the scale to, to someone having a conversation, and that's really the hardest bar to pass in any uh, job search is just getting to the interview. Um, so it's so a lot of companies will ask for cover letters, though, and they don't read them. Like that does happen. That that really does happen. Um, in my my professional opinion, there there's nothing wrong with writing a an like a candid, authentic paragraph about. What what you're hoping to get out of this internship or or this job, uh, and where you're hoping to go, and, and why you think the company is interesting. Um, it doesn't have to be kind of this big this big formal letter. Um, and recruiters are not spending a long time on each application just due to the scale. They're kind of they're doing a bit of a skim. Um, so it it can't hurt. Um, but I think I I think requiring cover letters is still really common practice, but it, they don't have to be um, this very long formal letter that I think a lot of us have kind of learned how to write uh, in school.
0: That's so helpful. I, I've always I've always put why I want to work for company, but I've never thought to say where I want to go. And like thinking on the amount of times I've been asked that in an interview, it's obviously relevant. It just never occurred right. to put it there. Um, why Why do people Why does an employer want to know what my goal, like my five-year goal is. So.
1: Right, right. So th- to give you some insight, so I, I've never asked the five-year question. I've been asked the five-year question yeah. for sure, um, and I've always been like, I don't know what I'm doing next year, and in, in five years I'll be a radically different person. <laughs> so I, my, my professional guess on why companies ask that question, I think they're just trying to understand if you've thought about your career uh, in your future. They just kind of want to see where your head's at right. generally where you're hoping to go, but none of us really know where we're going to be in, in five years. And I, as a recruiter, I never found it to be a helpful, uh, data point. I, I mostly wanted to understand like why they were interested in, in the role, um, which is always super interested. I'm sorry. It was always super interesting to know. Um, right. you know, aside from the fact that we're all, you know, working for money, <laughs> we have bills to pay. I, yeah. uh. I'm always interested to understand um, why someone could be excited about this internship uh, or this job um, because you can't, you can't really train excitement. You can't teach people passion uh, or to be engaged. So I try to pick up on that because if that's already there, people can learn a lot of things.
0: You can't, you can't train excitement. Um, that, that should be the title of the episode because I, you know, <laughs> it's so important to bring that energy, whether it's in a cover letter, or whether it's in the interview or every day at work if, if you if you can i mean we can't all do that every day
1: right um,
0: but uh yeah, yeah the, the, the where where will you be in five years things like transports me back to grade school and i'm sitting in the library and there's a poster on the wall that says life is a journey not a destination <laughs> and then right. it's, it's like maybe they're asking you to talk about your journey to see like you know they're not asking you about the, the end goal at five years they're looking for the journey that you perceive yourself to be on, um,
1: right. I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, I think you're you're on track there for sure. And and in my experience, like there's there's a lot of interview protocol that's done in a lot of companies just because that's the way it's always been done. That's just like the way it is, and not a lot of like. In my experience like some some folks haven't taken the time to deeply think about well why do we ask this question like Mm -hmm. what are we really hoping to know is this is an answer to this question actually going to help me determine if this is the right candidate for the job um like i remember my i my first job interview ever i was 15 uh interviewing for a, a cashier job at the local small town canadian tire and i was asked you know where do you see yourself in five years I was, I don't know what I said. I might, I would have said something, whatever I felt I needed to say, probably, uh, you know, going to school, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. but in reality, like what does a 15 year old know about <laughs> five years from now, 20 year old me, is going to be in a completely different place. And I, I reflected on that and I was like, what, what could they have been hoping, uh, <laughs> to learn about me from that question? So I think there's a lot of value in, in just giving some deep thought into the why behind um, why we do a lot of what we do in hiring and and, and not just kind of rolling with things because it's the way they've just always been done.
0: I'm seeing signs of the the groupthink and the and the um, feedback cycles there. This is what people asked me, and now I'm going to ask people that, and I don't even know. Yes,
1: why exactly. You're like, well, this is just what you ask in an interview. And it's like, well, why? And and it's yeah. not necessarily that people just they just want to they don't want to think about it. It's just you get in the motions, you get in the motions of work, you get in the motions of life, um, and it's just always really important to pause, I think, and, and just think, wait, why are we doing this? Is is this working?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's fundamental to design practice, right? Like, why? Okay, but why did I make it red? Like, how are people reacting to red? What? Well, how is that? In, you know? How's that interpreted? Yeah. Um and when you start applying it to behaviors, all of a sudden you're in the realm of of UX. And I, I can't help but sort of always do that with everything. I'm getting the impression you you might be similar, but uh,
1: definitely. I lo- I'm very reflective. I love to ponder.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, meta metacognition is like the hallmark of um, thinkers and and people who make change. I I, I feel. It's a hallmark of um, people who make change in the world, so. I think so too. People who kind of think about uh, who they are and and what they're doing and why they're doing things, um, those people might often be prompted by their internal dialogue to change what they're doing in their careers or um, goal-wise. And um, if you are one of those people, and I get a lot of them in the school, people in their late late 20s, early 30s who decide they want to change careers, um, what advantages advantages do they have as interns?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. Uh, and it's something I think about a lot because lots of people change their careers, even, you know, not even just once, twice, like maybe maybe three times. Um, yeah. And you're really kind of starting over on a new journey each time. And it, once you are kind of pigeonholed into a certain career, it is it is really difficult. Uh, to make the switch to to another career, Um, which of course, yeah, brings a lot of folks back to school, um, you know, so they can can start learning the foundations um, and, you know, kind of start building a a network in a a new industry. So in my experience, uh, so for some context, in my three and a half years at Shopify, um, I was really immersed in this like progressive uh, philosophy around early talent. Um, It was kind of the first time I really, saw a company um, completely walk like, a different path in terms of, of internship hiring. So Shopify hires a lot of co-op students uh, and, and students in, in college and university, um, but they also hire a lot of recent grads, uh, folks that were changing careers, and, and self-taught learners, as we called them. So folks that had just taught themselves some, some base skills that uh, they needed to know and then uh, you know applied for a Shopify internship uh, and joined in and made a big them. impact there.
0: I just want to interrupt you to pause to say how yeah. how how special that they were willing to recognize self-taught skills. It's, that's agree. amazing. I Apologize for interrupting.
1: No, I love that. I love the excitement for it. I sh- I share that excitement honestly. Um, it was it. It's almost you know something I I almost take for granted now because I was immersed in it for so long. But it is really different and it's really unconventional. And we hired some really excellent interns who. They did. They graduated high school and then they they took a different path. They didn't go to college or university. Um, You know, one intern in particular, he was working as a sous chef uh, and then he was teaching himself to code on his own time. And then he joined as an intern. Uh, And I do believe he, he stayed full time at Shopify. And that is a really special thing. So I think my time. Shopify really uh, emboldened (laughs) this passion I have uh, for seeing uh, more access uh, to internships. But all that to say, I've seen career changers and self-taught learners be really successful as interns. And a big advantage that they bring to their internships is great communication skills. And what I mean by that is that they're proactive in their communication. They're not afraid to ask for help. They're not afraid to ask questions. Whereas in students and recent graduates who, on average, typically skew younger, I see more hesitance to, to say that they don't know something or to ask for help. And I, I've been there. <laughs> I've done that as well. You know, I've I've been afraid to, to say I don't know something and ask for help early in my career. So I don't know if it's you know maturity of life experience uh, that lends to the skill set. Um, but it is such an advantage uh, for them to have in their roles because. you you, an internship is only as good as as what you make out of it you know and it's meant to be a learning opportunity so if you're honest and when you don't know something uh and you're proactive and and seeking out help when you need it you're gonna really get the most out of that experience you're gonna build stronger relationships with your team Um, and now more than ever communication is incredibly important because you know, more and more teams are remote flexible. You know, you're working with folks across different time zones, you're working on projects where documentation is important, you're working with tools like Slack and email where written communication is important. And you're not necessarily going to be in an office all the time with your team where you can just kind of spin your chair around and, and ask a question or um, you know learn through osmosis, like where you can overhear. You know things your team's talking about and, and learn that way like you really it, now more than ever you really have to be able to be proactive in your communication and and know when and how to seek out help when you need it and this is just an advantage i noticed that self-taught learners and career changers uh brought to their internships
0: it's it's interesting i i, I would theorize that maybe when you've already worked and been a professional in, in some role it's just easier like to you know your your ego like in the pop psychology sense is satisfied so it makes
1: yeah
0: it, it makes it easier to sort of ask questions and be vulnerable um not that asking questions is a vulnerability but i think i'm communicating here
1: you are yeah no it feels vulnerable i had to go through this earlier in my career now i'll ask all the questions <laughs> because if i don't know there's a lot of anxiety that comes with trying to do your job when you don't know things. I'm just gonna ask at this point. I've just, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of my early career s- stage, um, and, and you know, you develop confidence through that mm-hmm. time. So now I'll just ask. But I, in my early 20s, I was an anxious wreck, <laughs> and I remember um, some countless times where I was just struggling through an issue frantically because I did not, I did not want to surrender and ask for help. And my best advice really to to all interns actually is if you, if you don't know something um, you should always take a stab at trying to answer it yourself, you know, do some Googling. We're all Googling in our jobs. Everyone, (laughs) everyone everywhere is Googling how to do their job at some point. Um, So, you know, do some Googling, look at your company resources, see what you can find, but don't spend too, too long on it. You don't really want to be spinning your wheels uh, because there, there comes a point where um, quietly trying to, to figure something out on yourself um, just becomes inefficient and showing, showing your team that you tried to answer your question always looks really good um, and it helps you learn to be more resourceful as well.
0: Right, right. So go to your team. Hey guys, I was trying to learn how to do skill X. I, checked out these resources. I'm still not quite getting it. What do you recommend?
1: Yeah, that's the best approach, honestly.
0: That's great. I I really um, want to circle back, if you don't mind, to the Shopify hiring uh, self-taught people. And I'm wondering if you can share for um, businesses out there, uh, what kind of heuristics did Shopify use to measure self-taught
1: skills? Yeah, that's a really great question. So what I had seen is that um, really these self-taught folks, they had just tried, they just took a stab at building their own, their own project. So I guess similar to, to Canadian internships, where I am certainly not a a developer, but I was like, I guess I'm just going to build a site. I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. And then I just, you know, brute (laughs) force my way through it and learned a lot along the way. And it's just, it's exactly the same for self-taught learners. Um, and the key is really communicating that on your resume. Um, and also too, I think it's really important to not put um, students you know, side by side, recent grads side by side with c- career changers because ultimately if you're going to have the same bar for all these folks from different walks of life, like your, your most competitive candidate is probably that uh, computer science bachelor's degree student with like six co-ops <laughs> under their yeah. belt. Um, And it's really hard for anyone else to be meeting that same same bar because it's just just different life experiences. So I would say first, um, being open-minded is really the most important thing Um, and understanding that the applications you receive from self-taught learners, they're not going to have the signals that you normally look for. They're not going to have a bachelor's degree or a college diploma. Uh, They're not going to have... Um, like a coding school uh, certificate on there. They're probably gonna have a few uh, projects on there that they cobbled together <laughs> themselves. They'll they'll probably have a few languages on there that they they've dabbled in. But I think um, if you're gonna compare those applications next to that student with like with six co-ops, it's kind of a non-starter. I think. Um, Opening your mind uh, to these candidates is the most important first step.
0: Yeah, breaking breaking another feedback loop.
1: Definitely, and it take it takes work and it takes practice.
0: I guess we're we're fortunate in the design world because most of what we do results in a in an artifact in an output. So you need to demonstrate ability in something. Okay, well you make something and like it's, no one can take that away from you.
1: Um, exactly.
0: I'm pretty ignorant about the rest of the world, but I imagine if you were like, I don't know, an accountant or a self-taught, um, I don't know, HR person, like what is your, like how? I, I can't even imagine what you would show the world to say, I
1: know this. Yeah, good question. I, I've given that some thought. So yeah, what I've said a lot so far is really relevant to tech, I think, like yeah. those roles where you're you're building those technical skills like product design, Um, And like software engineering and I think um, maybe probably tying back to to what I was talking about when I said I was encountering a lot of um, knockout questions I guess we'll call them uh, related to, to having a bachelor's degree for like a for an HR internship and in my experience, I so I went through like a continuing education program where I did eight courses, uh, which cover very broadly uh, the HR profession, and like these are eight courses that I needed to take if I wanted to move forward for uh, Canada's HR certification. That's the CHRP, the Certified Human Resources Professional. And those eight courses took me about a year to complete gave me, you know, the gist of what I needed to know about HR. But ultimately in HR, uh, you could ask any HR professional, this the industry and school are radically different. Once you're, Mm -hmm. once you're in the industry and you're, you're tackling those, those daily and real world, uh, you know, hairy HR problems, you're that's, that's where you're going to learn. So I, I, I I definitely want to give more thought to what, a self-taught learner would look like in the corporate world because I think there's a lot more um, unlearning to, to be done, kind of in in that side. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for starters, like reducing the barrier of a bachelor's degree for you know an HR internship and accepting kind of those eight courses that are um, you know accredited by Canada's uh, HR certification is is probably a good start, and that reduces the barrier as well. Hmm.
0: Hmm, that's, um, yeah, I've always thought that high education credentials are, man, I don't want to use the word lazy, but unimaginative way right. to get your top 10% off the bat or, or whatever the number is. Um, yeah. And it's also an unfortunate way because there is so much more keeping people out of a four-year program than ability. Ability is like the last thing keeping people out of it. It's money, it's location, it's... um access to opportunities um it's where you're from in the world um that's why people don't have BAs not because they they're not smart or capable yeah
1: yeah you're you're so you're so right and yeah there's a lot there's a lot of barriers uh you know to, to formal education and formal education is a wonderful thing like you like I'm I love education like I I wish it was more accessible for everyone but in in our reality it, it's not unfortunately and yeah a lot of that is tuition um, if you can access tuition it's time like four years four years is yeah. a long time to spend on something and and, and a common argument I see because I you know I spend my I spend some time on LinkedIn um, and I see yeah. you know some spicy LinkedIn <laughs> discussions happening and, yeah, and one that been in makes, yes yeah <laughs> I have as well I definitely have as well um, and one that, that usually makes its way to my feed every few months or so is, is the topic of, of why why should bachelor's degrees kind of be, you know, the minimum uh, requirement for a lot of internships. And I'll see people in the comments kind of saying, oh, well, you know, if someone's completed a bachelor's, like, I know that they can commit to something for the long term. And, and I, I have trouble with that reasoning because I think a lot, like, Education is a wonderful thing, but a lot of folks, they will go into a bachelor's program because they think they're just supposed to, it's kind of coming back to going through the motions. You just feel yeah. like you're kind of doing what you're supposed to do to get yeah. to the next level, like, so to speak. Um, and that's not to say like, education always has value. It always has so much value. It's, it's, it's intangible, but it just, the piece of paper just shouldn't be your ticket to, to building no. a career, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you're. I mean, you're absolutely right, and and it's all. It's kind of almost an insult to say that. Um, and I mean, I, I love education too. I mean, I have a lot of, I have a number of years of education, so I. It's worthwhile, but right. I, I mean, I know my, my sister had to leave um, a university program because she had a kid, and it just it was too much. So,
1: yeah.
0: does that mean that she is incapable of filling a role? Why? Because she had a child? It's it's just. It, the mind boggles
1: agreed yes the mind boggles it really does and I you know um, in my like I, I, I do have that perspective of, of you know w- grinding to build out a, a career for myself without a bachelor's degree and I I did take an unconventional approach that I haven't and I'll share this because maybe it will be helpful um, to some recent graduates but I was struggling to find internships that would accept me because of my lack of degree Um, Mm -hmm. and I was I thought you know I just need to keep getting experience. I had spent the summer uh, working as a front desk concierge at a private uh, golf club and that kind of was like my first administrative slash office experience and For anyone trying to, to, you know, break into the corporate world. It's really, really hard to get that first office job, so to speak. Uh, So once you have one, then some, some more doors open. And I decided to go the route of working with staffing agencies uh, and taking contracts. Um, So it was in lieu of an internship. I just started doing some, some contracts and that's you know, how I ended up working through the municipal government. I worked at the Tim Hortons corporate head office in Oakville. That's how I, and ultimately how I ended up working for an entrepreneur uh, that I stayed with for a few years. And I've never talked to anybody who took the same path, but I was desperate.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I. you tell me if this is right. You can get, you can kind of, if you get a role that's not quite what you want, you can kind of shape it into... Something that leads you to the role you do want,
1: mm-hmm.
0: by by like um, I mean like one of my first graphic design work jobs was I was a bartender and we needed a bar menu so I made the bar menus, um and you know all of a sudden I am a graphic designer with published stuff in the world. Um. I don't know, I don't know if that's sort of what you did from the golf course over to, the the, contracts that you took.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is- I think yeah you're so right and it's also to how you frame your experience and I think that ties back to to what do I put on my resume and ultimately you know you look at the the job you're applying for and then you look at your resume and it's like how close of a fit is this because that's what a recruiter wants to see they're like how how does this puzzle piece fit into my job posting you want it to fit as close as possible Um, but be truthful you know in in retelling your experience Um, so like you're in, in 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 your experience you know you saw a job and you're like oh well I've done a piece of that job already at this one mm-hmm. so that's like you would highlight that experience and looking at the next so when I um, when I was you know looking to get uh, contracts um, with companies on the back of my uh, golf club uh, experience kind of as like a front desk concierge and general office assistant I just really leaned into the more administrative tasks that I had you know I was working in Excel I was updating the website. I was, you know, sending email marketing uh, to the members, like really leaning into the fact that, trying to tell the story that, hey, I spent a summer working in an office and I was successful at it. Um, I could do it again (laughs) is really the, the story you're trying to tell.
0: How can early talent that aren't students stand out?
1: Yeah, so how can early talent that aren't students stand out to employers? It's a non-starter for some companies that really what recruiters value above all is skills and experience. So a lot of companies do have that. That bachelor's degree requirement for various reasons, you know, most of which being that's just the way it is and the way it's always been done. But ultimately, recruiters, they want to know that you can do the job. That's ultimately it. Um, You know, filling a job takes time. Takes effort. It's costly for a company, um, so you want to make sure that that you you make the right you make the right hire. So, for folks that are not students looking for for internships, like looking at recent graduates, looking at you know career changers and self-taught learners, how however you can best articulate that you have the skills and that you can rise to the occasion and do the job well. Um, is really what it comes down to. And when you write your resume, it's important to look at it with the perspective of someone who does not know you. Because a lot of the time we write our resume we, we take for granted what we know. So then you you put yeah. you put your, you know, your career journey down on paper and you make a lot of assumptions when you do that. Um, you you know you maybe don't expand on what the company you worked for even does. Um, You might be using like jargon from other uh, places that you, that you worked and you're making a big assumption that the recruiter knows what you know. So sometimes I'll see a resume and I'll be like, I don't, like I don't have enough context to understand like what this means. So I see a lot of students and in particular, I'll just use students as an example, talk about, oh, it's great to quantify things on your resume. Like I need this 80% more efficient. But a recruiter is like, what does that mean? <laughs> like what does right. that, what does that really mean? So if you're you're not a student and you just, you really want to, um, you know, put your best foot forward and, and, and show that you can do this, um, just really like over explain your experience, make it so clear that anyone, any person who just picks up your resume and looks at it, like has a pretty good idea uh, of what you've done and what you can do. And that's going to vary for each industry. And I always would recommend, you know, um, like your students, like perhaps like, you know, you would probably give some great insight on, on whether they're telling their their story uh, and, and talking about their skills and experience uh, as clearly as they can. Um, Always like get a, a fresh set of eyes on, on your work. I always do that too because you know a fresh set of eyes can always pick up things um, that you didn't see. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my best advice. It's really it really really comes down to storytelling and and how do you best uh, tell your story?
0: Wow, I mean that's just great for designers. That's great. Everything you do benefits when someone else looks at it. Definitely. Yeah, we're so like steeped, we're so, well, I mean, once again, there's, it's that, when you get a fresh set of eyes, you're breaking a feedback loop, you're breaking, like, what I know as a designer, showing it to someone who's not a designer, who is the person who will look at your resume, will not be a designer, probably. Um, You need someone to be that person, right? So.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And as a recruiter, you know, like, uh, like, so I, I've spent the last four years in engineering. Um, I'm not an engineer though. So my knowledge is, is wide, but it's not deep. So recruiters that spend a lot of time in a hiring for a certain profession or hiring in a certain industry, we can see signals pretty readily, but, but our job is to find the right people. Um, that are going to be, you know, happy at the company that I'm hiring for, that are going to be happy within the team dynamic uh, that I'm hiring them for. And, of course, like at a glance, like I can easily pick up signals in, in software engineering um, and even product design at the internship level a little bit to to understand, um, you know, if if we want to move someone forward uh, to have a conversation with a recruiter and a recruiter will ultimately, you know, dive into your experience a bit and, and pick up some more signals. But that's why we partner. Um, you know, with with the teams that we're hiring for so that they can really technically assess folks. So, and a recruiter will pretty much always be the one looking at your resume. Um, mm-hmm. So you just really wanna, you wanna, yeah, I think you, you bring up a valid point. You wanna explain your experience to someone who does not do what you do and mm-hmm. <laughs> explain it clearly.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not gonna hurt. I mean, if the creative director does read your resume, it's not gonna hurt it for that person, but it's gonna help yeah. you when it's not the creative director reading the Definitely.
1: resume. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, yeah, you bring up a really good point. It's, yeah, well, yeah, our, I, that's, that's what I always say as, as recruiters. Like, our, our knowledge is is wide, but it's not deep. That's why we partner with the teams.
0: Awesome. It's good to know that it's a thorough, like, it's a thorough and considered process. It's nice to know, like, when you prepare a resume, that it's going into carrying hands and, and um, a, a range of hands.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I think, too, um, like thinking about like when you submit an application, it takes a lot of care and time to put that together. And, and you want someone on the other side to appreciate that and, and give it a, a proper look. Um, and ultimately, you know, like I I'll say this, like I, I pride myself when I have been uh, responsible for screening applications. I look at every every single one. Every single one, does it take a long time? Yes. <laughs> but did I, you know, properly vet uh, the talent pool and, and feel really confident uh, in who I'm moving forward and I feel like I've given the proper respect um, entitled to every application? Yeah, and, and that I, that's just, that's the way that it, that it should be. And that's the way it is for, for most companies. I know um, there's a kind of a myth that a lot of resumes kind of disappear into this mysterious uh, applicant tracking system or, or ATS and nobody sees it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is most, most, most applications are seen.
0: <laughs> that, that is really nice. To, I mean, I would love to spend another podcast talking to you about, um, applicant tracking systems because th- the world has so many questions. It's not me. because yes. who doesn't, <laughs> everyone uses it, right? Well, whether you yeah. want to or not, um, for, but I do have another question about, um, people who weren't students trying to stand out to employers and you kind of brought up um, there is an HR credential that I wasn't aware of, um, what was it called?
1: Yeah, the CHRP, it's for a Certified Human Resources Professional.
0: Okay, and I know there's like PMP and CET, and here in the design world we have RGD, Association of Registered Graphic Designers Ontario, we have the GDC, Graphic Designers of Canada, in the States they have the AIGA. Um, so these are credentials that you can get, they're non-education credentials, but um, I'm wondering what those, uh, do, th- do those have any value to um, recruiters?
1: Yeah, so from a recruiter's perspective, yeah, it's always a signal that like you're engaged and interested in the industry that you want to be working for. And, and, you know, some certifications are mandated <laughs> by the industry that you're in, like, for example, the CPA, um, whereas like, the CHRP, it's not, you know, it's not uh, a mandated certification. Like you don't have to get your CHRP to be an HR professional. Um, but in the eyes of recruiters, it does, especially at the early talent level, um, it elevates your application because it kind of shows you're taking it seriously, um, you know, and that perception is going to vary from recruiting team to recruiting team. Um, but my, my best kind of advice if you're, you know, trying to b- build a corporate career, be it like finance, uh, HR, um, those signals do, they do matter. They do matter they do make a a big difference um, especially early in your career Um, so it's it's always yeah it's always worth pursuing a a certification that's widely regarded um is well known (laughs) in in the industry that that you want to grow in
0: you know that really provoked that causes me to reflect on what you said earlier if i so i'm a member of the rgd if i put that on a resume I can't just slap it down and assume that the recruiter is going to have any idea. Like they might know, okay, it's a it's a credential, but unless I say, you know, which means I act as a mentor, which means I draft um, draft um, eligibility requirements, et cetera, et cetera. Like I have to tell the story of RGD. Otherwise, I'm just taking up space on the page.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really valid point, and it kind of comes back to storytelling on your resume. Like, you know. Unless it's a mandated (laughs) certification in your industry. It's always worth, I think, to add that context, you know, for example, a recruiter. um, Focused on hiring HR professionals. They probably know what the CHRP is, but it's still worth, I think, a line or two on the resume just to give that that extra the context. And I think taking the time to add context. Uh, to each part of your resume also indicates like good communication skills and self-awareness as well, things that recruiters also like to see.
0: Right. Well, Kathleen, I have about a million more questions, but I have <laughs> one question that if I don't ask, um, people will probably be mad at me, which is on your new platform, on the Canadian Internships platform, can I filter out unpaid internships, internships, and filter in paid internships?
1: That is a great question. So I only post paid internships. Uh, So if an employer wants to submit a posting um, in in the form, they do have to confirm that it's a paid internship because I I just won't. I won't post them. They're not on there. So every internship uh, that I share on Canadian internships is paid.
0: Wow. Amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: No, thank you. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. That, I mean, right now, in the design world, this is like a huge, a huge uh, topic of debate. So,
1: It's, it's yeah, I, I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I have a lot of strongly held opinions on this. And um, we could probably, yeah, we could talk for a long time about this. But I will say that uh, there's... In order to to access an unpaid internship, you have to you have to really be in a position of privilege because you are working for free. <laughs> and, you know, you can be told, you know, you're learning, you know, you're you're building a network. But I mean, you're not you're not being paid. You're not being paid. You're going to be working for, what, for three, four months without income. You have to have some some sort of privilege behind you in order to access that. And. I so I actually I did an unpaid internship. <laughs> I I did an unpaid internship uh early on uh, as a recruitment intern. I was meant to be 3 months um but at the 2 month mark I kind of had stopped learning things and then I kind of was starting to be put to work for free. <laughs> mm. And I was like I'm not being paid. Uh so I think I'm all done now. But <laughs> the only reason I was able I was like this is I'm good. Thanks for this. Um but the only reason I was able to access that is because I was living with my fiance's family uh, in in Oakville for basically free, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able, you know, to to make that sacrifice because I didn't have rent uh, or bills to pay. I was I was in a position of privilege. Um, so when you offer unpaid internships, you're not you're not being inclusive because only a, 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 a certain uh, group of people can access it.
0: Wow, thank you for thank you for that i i it I, I didn't i actually didn't even do an internship but i was open to unpaid internships because i was living at home after after college so it wouldn't have been an issue but on hearing that it's kind of like oh you know the fact that i can do it doesn't doesn't make it okay
1: when you're early in your career you are just so eager to just yeah. to, to get any experience i remember what that felt like you know it's like a you're in the rat race <laughs> you're competing with Everyone else, and it's easy in that frame of mind to say, yeah, I'll do an unpaid internship because you're right. If you're living at home, you don't have those bills to pay. You're like, well, I'm building the experience and the experience has value. <laughs> there's no, there's no excuse for it, <laughs> in my opinion, for companies yeah. to to bring in uh, interns and not pay them. And I remember my time at Shopify. So Shopify always, you know, interns were were very well paid. You know, a lot of a lot of folks do want to work at Shopify. It's a really exciting, uh, you know, Canadian company to work for. And I remember we'd get some requests come in and they're like, can I please intern at Shopify? Like, I don't even have to be paid. (laughs) And I remember telling them, I was just like, I really appreciate your enthusiasm. Like, I love that. But but that's like it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right to not pay you. And I just want Mm -hmm. you to know that. And I remember having some conversations with students like that.
0: That's great. Yeah, I appreciate that this perspective because it really shows in like clearly why you, you cannot create this like shadow economy of, of
1: yes, economy. yeah, <laughs> it is a yeah. shadow economy. It really is, and and so yeah. I'm I'm curating the internships on Canadian internships myself. Um, wow, I'm doing doing my own searches uh, kind of every day. I'm building out a little. Uh, Information system as I go and yeah some of the internships I've come across because I have to you know I'm moving quickly, and I'm trying to make sure there's enough opportunities available But I'm doing a you know my due diligence by looking at the posting and asking myself is this a good learning opportunity? and also is it paid and There's still a shocking amount of unpaid internships out there, wow. and I just yeah, so I have strong opinions <laughs> on it wow.
0: Well, thank you it- how can um um how can an employer get in touch with you if they want to post a, a paid internship?
1: Yeah, of course. So on the site, um, right at the top, there's a there's a link to post an internship, and there's a form you can fill out there. Um, you can also send me an email at hello at findcanadianinternships.ca. Go to findcanadianinternships.ca and find some internships. <laughs>
0: Wow, thank you. Thank you so much, Kathleen. And um, I look forward to, you know, being in contact in the future. And thank you for everything you're doing.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for your time, Eric. This was great.